This is Frank Dominguez for the WDAV Piedmont Arts Podcast. This season, the Western Piedmont Symphony is searching for a new music director to take over from longtime conductor John Gordon Ross, and several artists will vie for the role by leading concerts with the orchestra. Next up is Arthur Post, who conducts a program on November 3rd at 7.30 p.m. in P.E. Monroe Auditorium at Lenore Ryan University. And it's my pleasure to welcome Arthur to WDAV. How are you? I'm great, Frank. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Now, let's get acquainted a little bit and let listeners know uh, where you live right now, what uh, your background in orchestra conducting is, and uh, who they're going out to see lead the Western Piedmont Symphony. I currently live in Girona, which is a town outside of Barcelona. My wife is from there. We have two kids. And we're using this opportunity where I'm not committed full-time to an orchestra here in the States to spend some time over there. But my path uh, leading up to this is a, is a long one. I grew up uh, outside of New York in Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, I've traveled for education and work to a lot of places. I studied in Germany, in Hamburg, for three years. Um, I worked in Pittsburgh for the Pittsburgh Symphony under Lauren Mazel. Um, I worked with the Israel Philharmonic for two years with Zubin Mehta. Um, the New World Symphony in Miami Beach with Michael Tilson Thomas as well. Um, I was music director of an orchestra in Durango, Colorado, and also in Thunder Bay, Ontario, so west northwestern Ontario on the shore of Lake Superior up there. Sounds like a lot of uh, varied experience and some real names there that you worked with. I'll ask you about what that might have been like in a moment. But first up, to uh, sort of whet the appetite for the concerts that are coming up, or the concert uh, that's coming up, why don't you tell us about what's on the program? This is a program built on variety. Um, we're starting with a, a wonderful piece by Aaron Copeland. It's only seven minutes long, but it's a real jewel. It's called Letter from Home. It was written to support the war effort. It was a commission from Paul Whiteman and his band, so it originally had a, a band orchestration. It's been reorchestrated. Um, and it's the best of Copeland, of what we know of Copeland. Um, it's patriotic in that sense. doesn't sound particularly patriotic, but... Um, it's, you know, Copeland has this talent for writing music that is both very, very personal, but touches all Americans. So it's universal. And at that time uh, was that. So it's um, the title Letter from Home. The music de- depicts the um, possible emotions of a soldier reading a letter from home. And it's not all um, pastels. Let's put it that way. It's beautiful and touching nostalgic also in a way, but it's got a very, very conflicted and dissonant, almost violent middle section as well. So it's a, it's quite a substantial piece for seven minutes. And we move from there to uh, an early piece of Haydn's. We're talking about the years early 1760s. It's his cello concerto, a piece that was lost for hundreds of years and rediscovered in the 1960s. Um, and this is a piece I love. I love Haydn's early style. If we have time, I can go into that later, but it's different from his later style. It's very expressive, uh, very exciting music. Um, the last movement is a, something of a barn burner. And we have a, a wonderful cellist. Her name is Inbal Segev. She's originally from Israel, and I met her first at the Yale School of Music a long time ago, and I've worked with her several times since then. When we conductors come to a town in an orchestra for an audition, we want to choose a big, splashy piece, and the Rachmaninoff Symphonic Dances is definitely that. It's a piece that's really a favorite of mine for a number of reasons. Uh, it's got it's got everything. It's got the beautiful, sumptuous, broad melodies uh, and 
harmonies that we love of Rachmaninoff from his piano concertos and other pieces that we know. Um, it's got a lot of fire and brimstone. It's got a big percussion section. It's got brass and all those things. Um, but in particular, it was written just a few years before his death. He had basically stopped composing. Um, he probably knew this might be his last piece because his health was failing. And it's autobiographical in a sense that it uh, quotes uh, a number of his earlier works. So it has this um, uh, this significance in, in, in all of his music. In addition to that, those of our listeners who know Rachmaninoff know that the, this Dies Irae chant uh, was important to him. He quotes it in lots of his pieces. This is the one where you hear it actually most prominently. And uh, the last movement is really, we really feel that there's a struggle of good against evil. And uh, the Dies Iri meaning, of course, the day of wrath, the day of judgment. Rachmaninoff was not a particularly religious man, but he loved these liturgical chants, the, the musical material of it. Let me ask you about the experience of being a music director and what you anticipate from that, what you think that you can bring to that for the Western Piedmont Symphony and for the audience here in the region of Hickory, North Carolina. I love being connected to the community. And as a music director, uh, there's just a wonderful opportunity to do that. I love programming music for the community. I want to give the, 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 the community what it wants in one sense, but I'm also a leader and I have a vision and uh, I have my own taste in classical music, so I want to introduce the audience to uh, newer things they don't know as well because there's an enormous world of symphonic repertoire out there. For me, it's just it's sort of vast, beautiful, deep, uh, lush territory to explore. I feel like I'm, a, I'm an adventurer. Um, I'm, I'm one of those wildlife guides, you know, like Steve Irwin, <laughs> who, you know, who's always... Uh, in the jungle somehow. So, and I love making connections between pieces, between the past and the present, because I believe that the human psyche and emotion and heart is the same it is uh, today as it was 200, 250 years ago. The cultural trends from even from from Mozart's and Beethoven's time are the same cultural trends that are happening. They're getting expressed in completely different ways and all that. Um, but I see myself as sort of a cultural guide. Uh, in that sense. So I love making the connections between the past and the present and also um, choosing the most important and and most listenable contemporary music for our audiences as well, which is very important. Again, that that is our future. I, as a music director, am entrusted with a large part of the work experience of a large group of musicians. So it's a tremendous amount of responsibility to create a really enjoyable and creative work environment, and that's a big part of my goal. I would hope here to bring a lot of uh, vision, energy, and community connection to this area. On the subject of the community connection, what kinds of things outside of the concerts do you think as a music director you'd like to pursue? Well, you just have to, first thing is you have to be here, you know, enough to uh, to be out in the community. And I'm also talking about non-symphony functions, okay? Um, so uh, that, that's the first part. Um, I like to think of myself as a, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a rec- recovered introvert. <laughs> when I, I, I was a bass player originally and I sat in the back of the orchestra, I didn't have to talk to anybody. Um, when I had to do my first speaking concerts, my educational concerts as assistant conductor of the Pittsburgh Symphony, um, it was rather terrifying 
So over the course of my career, I've learned uh, to talk to audiences and to talk to people. And I love it. It's a, uh, maybe the most enjoyable part of my, my job. And I love sharing my love for the music and my passion for the music and getting other people inspired about the music. Um, so that's the big part of the job in, in being in touch with, with the community and also sensing, sensing their needs and trying to program music that in some cases is going to be very, very relevant to, to this community in one way or another. Tell me a little bit about your experience with some of these uh, name conductors, such as Lauren Mazel and Michael Tilson Thomas. Uh, are there any of them that you might consider mentors in your work as a conductor? Or maybe it's somebody else who isn't a familiar name but really had an influence on you. First of all, working uh, with those high-level orchestras and conductors, it's a very heady experience. You're a young conductor. You're caught up in this whirlwind of feelings uh, about uh, how important um, what you're doing is. Uh, and it is important, um, especially as you're getting to know this repertoire for the first time. So important in the sense of for an artist. I worked with Lauren Mazel for the longest. He didn't talk a lot. But when Mazel said something to you, you knew it was important. A number of the things that, he's, that he told me over the three years that I worked with him have really stayed with me. He's definitely been a mentor. I also had opportunities to be around Leonard Bernstein for the last couple of years of his life uh, at the Schleswig-Holstein Festival and at Tanglewood. I was living in Germany uh, at that time. Uh, and Bernstein was also a, a great influence. I mean, um, none of us young conductors could hope or, or should uh, try to, you know, imitate uh, Bernstein or Marzell or anything else. We always, we do, of course. You can't help it being around these people. Um, but Bernstein in particular um, was interested in uh, young musicians and in helping them. And there are also many, many other mentors, just as you said, uh, who they're not, they're not big names, but they were uh, important in my development. Robert Capolo, who in public radio might be a name. Um, he now has a series called What Makes It Great, but he was the conductor of the Yale Symphony when I entered Yale at the age of 18. I was the principal bass player, and he was my music theory teacher, and he probably, more than any other, is responsible for me being a conductor. I was so inspired by his theory classes, by studying scores, for me at that time, I was uh, playing in orchestras and hearing these amazing, awesomely powerful sounds uh, around me. And when I opened a score, I was opening the secret box. I had the key to the box to find out how these sounds were made for the first time. Uh, and that's something that has really stayed through me um, throughout my career. I love, I, I love scores. I love seeing how these moments in music are created. Let me wind up by asking you, about uh, how you see the role of an orchestra in this day and age, uh, an orchestra such as the Western Piedmont Symphony. What role does it play in the community? Well, the orchestra is probably, um, in one way or another, the largest performing arts organization in the community. In many communities, they are. Part of that is just the function of uh, they have so many employees, right? So uh, we are the uh, curators of a great, great, great t tradition, uh, those 60 musicians who are playing Beethoven uh, are the same 60 that it took to play Beethoven when, you know, when the piece was created. The great composers are the great composers. Uh, Beethoven, I believe, is the greatest composer ever. I won't go into why. You know, some people believe that, some people don't. Um, 
but their music still touches us. Uh, these are classics because the real definition of classic is it's always new. Every time we hear it, uh, we come back to it and, and, and we can find something new in it. It, it speaks to everybody across generations and, and cultures and, and all that. And we are also the curators of the next generation of symphonic music. I'm heavily involved in new music. In my, my last job in uh, Thunder Bay, Canada, we were constantly commissioning composers. I have several composers who I believe are very, very uh, exciting um, and, and important uh, contemporary composers. That's the other very important part of our of the repertoire that we play. So we represent what is symphonic music um, to the community. And so it's our job and our responsibility and our, our honor to present the broadest possible spectrum. And it's my job as uh, the one who sets the vision, uh, identifies, articulates a vision, and does most of the programming to make this music or to bring out the relevance of this music. My guest has been Arthur Post, who is the next conductor uh, auditioning, as he says, for the Western Piedmont Symphony. The concert he'll conduct will be on November 3rd at 7.30 p.m. in P.E. Monroe Auditorium at Lenore Rhine University, a varied program which includes uh, Aaron Copeland, Franz Josef Haydn, and Rachmaninoff. Arthur, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great pleasure, Frank. Subscribe to this podcast at WDAV.org slash subscribe and follow us on Facebook for classical music news, humor, and programming updates. WDAV is a service of Davidson College supported by listeners like you. Find us on the radio at 89.9 FM and HD1, streaming at WDAV.org, or on our mobile app available at Google Play and the iTunes App Store. Thanks for listening.